group of verses where James is addressing the will of God. And he looks at the church and he notices three attitudes in the congregation concerning the will of God. And we, we've touched on the first two fully. We're on the third one. He started out by there was a group that was ignoring the will of God. Can you imagine that? Businessmen, if anyone else. If you think anyone needs the wisdom of God, anybody who wants some heavenly insider information, it would be someone doing business. But instead of seeking the Lord and asking Him for advice and asking Him for help, they just ignored Him. And they went about their business doing their own thing. And So we talked about why that's foolish to ignore the will of God. What a privilege we have that we can talk with God and come boldly to the throne of grace. But then secondly, there was a group that actually just flat out disobeyed the will of God. They knew the will of God, but they chose not to do the will of God. And James says, you know, <laughs> that, that's, that's, even, that's even, I want to say dumber than the first group, amen, to disobey the Lord. And we talked about what happens when a believer disobeys God, when we choose to disobey God. And we talked about how God deals with his children and he disciplines his children because he's a good father. And like any good parent, he'll discipline us to correct us and get us back on course. We said it can also it takes away the rewards that we want to have in heaven. If we disobey God, one day we stand before him, we found out we didn't do his will. We didn't fulfill our calling. We also found out that when we disobey God, it affects others around us, doesn't it? No matter how sweet and precious my wife is, no matter how pure my children are, as a husband, if I don't serve God the way I'm supposed to, it affects them in a negative way. Can't help it. They might be innocent, but they're under the spirit of my authority. And if I don't walk with God the way I should walk with God, it will affect them. And so we, we looked at that. But then finally we got to the fourth chapter of James where he talks about obeying the will of God. And if you would, James 4, let's start with verse 13. We'll read our text and then we'll dig in. He says, now listen, verse 13, now listen you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this or that city. We'll spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, and this is what we're getting at tonight, as a Christian, this ought to be our, our motto. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Verse 16, as it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he sins. So again, we're on the third attitude, which is obeying, which is obeying the will of God. And we started out last week, and we made the statement, if it be God's will. That's not just a statement on our lips, but it should be a constant attitude of our lives and of our hearts, the way we live. It's not just a religious phrase or a religious jingle. Some people say it and then they ignore black and whites. It, you know, it winds up being a hypocrisy. But the attitude of our life, and, and we got right to the Lord Jesus. We said, well, let's start out looking at Jesus. He's our, our pattern, amen? He, he's our example. He's the pattern son. He's the one that the Father's trying to conform us into his image. And we said, well, let's look at Jesus and let's see his attitude towards the will of God because he's the one I'm supposed to be modeling myself and I'm supposed to be striving to be like Jesus. Amen? That's why he asked the Holy Spirit to conform me into the image of Jesus. And we found out that Jesus said, boy, the will of God was my motivation, my nourishment, my satisfaction. Remember, he said, I got meat to eat you know not of. My meat to eat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
He says, the will of God for Jesus was not punishment, it was nourishment. It wasn't something he tried to find a loophole or avoid. It was something he pursued and he prayed for and he reached for. And so we studied that last week. We studied that, the, the Lord Jesus. And we looked at some various scriptures of the blessings that come from obeying. And we, we finished off there. And a couple more things. Let's go to our next PowerPoint. Simply, we'll just look at this statement. That again, for, for the Apostle Paul and for other believers, we find out that the will of God is not a shackle, it's a key. It's not something that binds us. It's something that frees us. It's not something that hinders us. It's something that increases us, amen? I mean, Paul, it, it was a key that opened doors. It gave him access. It gave him open doors to do more for God. It gave him access to get more intimate with God. I mean, the will of God's a good thing, amen? It's not something that we should look at as, oh, well, you know, the ball and chain. Oh, this thing that just keeps me back. No, the will of God ushers us into new heights of God, new uh, redeeming the time and advancement and access and opportunity. We find out also as we study the Word of God, you know, everything in um, the universe operates according to laws. Now think about that. Isn't that right? Everything operates according to laws. I mean, for a building, if you're a builder, there are certain engineering laws. You, you can't just defy those engineering things and expect that building to stand. There are certain laws you've got to follow. You learn those and you work with them. Amen? Same thing with physics. How about chemistry and medicine? I mean, medicine can save you. Medicine can kill you if it's in the wrong doses or given the wrong... I mean, you have to learn how to use it. How about the laws that govern flight? I mean, we don't ignore those laws. We learn and we submit to those laws so we can fly. You get on a plane today and you can be in London in about six, seven hours. It's amazing. But we didn't do it by ignoring the natural laws, but by learning and working with those natural laws. Because again, if you and I... How about electricity? There's another good one, all right? I mean, it can bless you or it can do a number on you, amen? So it's good to know how the laws that, that rule, that govern electricity and flow with it, all right? So again, if we cooperate with these natural laws and we choose to obey them, then the universe works with us, amen? Works for us. But if we fight or disregard these laws, the universe will work against us. Again, the same thing in the spirit. Of course, except, except there is one exception. Unless you're a bumblebee. I always like to throw that in there, amen? I think God puts that in there to keep us honest. I mean, according to science, that bumblebee's not supposed to fly, but he's doing pretty good. No one told him that, amen? And so, so again, um, that's, that's an exception. It, though it works. Most people try to do an exception and it don't work. And they wonder why. But anyway, God's will is similar to these natural laws. There's a general will of God that we all have in common. And then there's a specific or individual will of God that he has for each one of us. You know, there's a general will of God. The clear it is written, the clear principles in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, right, the black and whites, that we all share those. Thou shalt not steal is the same for all of us, amen? Thou shalt not commit adultery. It's the same for all of us. That's so, but then there's, then there's that personal will of God, our, our calling. Our, our individual choices, our, our jobs. I mean, and sometimes, um, again, different paths, different demands, different expectations. And sometimes that specific will of God can demand a little bit more out of us to really find that out. We have to give a little more effort to seek God and to wait on God for that. Amen? It doesn't take a lot to know the will of God about the basic things. The Bible's clear. 
but when it comes to certain things, that job or that job? Should I go now or should I wait six months and go then? Should, should we, is that what God's calling me to do or is that something that's a good thing but it's not for me? You see, to walk in that place with God demands a little bit of us, amen? You got to wait on the Lord. Maybe you have to follow other principles of the Bible and seek godly counsel. Maybe you got to really pray through fast a bit. Ask the Holy Spirit for special guidance. But when we look at all that, we look at all that. But let's go and let's note this down in your thinking. The personal will of God is a living relationship between God and the believer. It's not some cold and personal thing. Say that again. The personal will of God. Your walk with God, my walk with God. It's a living relationship. Jesus talked about abiding in the vine. Remember that? It's a living relationship. It's not some impersonal, cold, mechanical thing. So it starts out, number one, it starts with our desire and our attitude. If I'm going to obey the will of God, I've got to want to obey the will of God. If I'm really going to please the Lord, I've got to want to please the Lord. Amen? It starts with me, just like it did with Jesus. He had that will and desire. And even if it took him to Calvary, it's still, thy will be done. Amen? And if we're going to walk with God the way he wants us to walk with him, it starts out with an attitude of my heart. It starts with our, we should want to please and live for the Lord. And we studied that last week in Jesus's. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's look at a verse or two. 1 Peter chapter 4. Because our first thought is this. If I'm going to do the will of God, it starts with a desire or an attitude that wants to do. Some people don't want to do the will of God. Amen? Isn't that true? They don't want to do the will of God. The clear black and whites are ignored. They, they disregard it. They like their sin more than they love their Savior. All there is to it. Amen? And then others do not have the desire to pay the price, to know the personal will of God. It's not easy. Spiritual things are not cheap. Spiritual things are not cheap. We make them cheap, but if you want the best, it takes some effort, amen? I mean, diligently seek him, the Bible says, you get the reward. Not just a casual or a careless thing, but who's going to diligently seek the Lord? Sometimes people make mistakes that they didn't have to, if they would have waited on God. You know, sometimes we've got to wait long enough so we can hear God speak to us. But sometimes we get our minds made up on certain things. And we're so jacked up, we're so, that we don't really hear God. Sometimes it just takes a season of waiting on God to quiet our own soul. So that in the stillness, the Spirit can speak to me. You see. Again, look at 1 Peter 4, verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude. Arm yourself with the same attitude. Your attitude's a weapon, isn't it? Arm yourself. Having the attitude of faith is a good thing, isn't it? Having the attitude that seeks the Lord and puts God in first place is a good thing. Arm yourself with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with him. Have the same attitude Jesus had. That even when he had to suffer unjustly, unjustly he, he didn't shrink back, did he? He didn't, he didn't complain to the Father, did he? He didn't give up on the call of God, did he? He sought God. He gave himself to God. So number one, now look at verse two, how it goes on now. As a result, this person, you and I, they say, I want to have the attitude of Jesus in my life. I want to have the attitude that Jesus had towards the will of God, okay? 
That means even if I go through hard times, I still want the will of God. Even if I have to go through some challenging times, I still want the will of God. Everybody wants the will of God when, when God's going to do something nice to you. But when you have to die to the old man, ain't that right? When you have to go through a trial, then people are quick to bail on it and go back. But here it is. As a result, this is 1 Peter 4, chapter, verse 2. As a result, he or she does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Amen. When we got saved, everything changed. Isn't that true? Amen. Just talking about our dear brother, going back, visiting, visiting home. And the, what, what happened to you? What happened to you since you've been gone? Well, I've been serving the Lord with all my might and all my strength. And that transforms a man, does it not? And, and once we really come to know Jesus and really give our hearts to Christ, people will know it because now our attitude and our motives and our desires are radical. They've been flipped upside down. Now we're living our earthly life for the will of God. Used to live it for our desire, amen? For our pleasures, for our passions. But now, I love that. Look at that again. The last part of 1 Peter 4 and verse 2. He or she does not live the rest of their earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Isn't that beautiful? The will of God. We live this life for the will of God. That's what real Christians do. We live this life for the will of God. We're not ashamed of that. And I'm, we're all thankful that most of the time it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But sometimes there's some storms and sometimes there's some battles. But even when they come, we're, 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 we're not cheap. We're not just Sunday morning, once every three month Christians, are we? No, we're serving them in the good times and in the bad. We're going to love Jesus even when life isn't easy. Because we're real Christians, amen? We made up our mind, we're going to give our best to God. When it's easy and when it's not easy. When it's rewarding temporally or when i got to wait for eternity to get that reward. So again, it starts with our desire. And that desire has to be something. We've got to get to the heart. That's why that time in prayer and the altar is so important. We've got to give our hearts to God. Too much outward Christianity. But it's got to get the heart first. Ephesians 6 and verse 6. I want you to see Ephesians 6 and verse 6, okay? I want you to see the motivation that God desires. Remember, he's the God that tests our hearts, does he not? And you know, when Paul is talking to the, in that culture to the slaves and the servants, and we could apply it to workers. And he's saying, hey, when the boss, do, you, do your job. Amen? Like you're doing it unto the Lord. Even when the boss isn't around, your boss in heaven is still watching you. But this is what he writes. Obey them, not only to win their favor, win their eyes on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God. Where? From the, from the heart. Isn't that wonderful? You see, you can outwardly do the will of God, but God says, I look at your motivation. Remember, he's the one that measures the heart. And Moses said, you know, if you commit adultery, that's a bad thing. Jesus said, if you look on her and your heart's impure, that's the same thing. I mean, God says, I'm looking at the heart. Amen? You got to get stay filled with the Spirit, don't you? You got to crucify that old nature. Because a lot of people can act religious, you know. But God says, I want a heart that's sincerely motivated to love me and obey me and to please me. I, I mean, Jonah... I mean, he did the will of God, but it wasn't from the heart, was it? <laughs> it was to get me out of this fish, amen? Get me out of this stench and fish. I got seaweed around my head, amen? I want to get out of here. I'll preach anywhere. Lord, just get me out of here. And some people are like that. Isn't that true? 
I remember old Lester Summerall, Brother Summerall, you know, he was dying as a teenager, and he was a rebel, and God gave him a vision of lost humanity, going the nations, going to hell, and God showed him a Bible, and he says, you can have a Bible or a casket. Well, 17 years old, if God says that, I'll preach, Lord, I'll preach. He says, I preach for the next five years. He goes, I didn't love people. I preached because I didn't want to go to hell. <laughs> there you go. He goes, I didn't have a burden for the lost. I didn't have a compassion for the sheep. I was preaching because God scared me into it. But I wasn't doing it from the heart. Amen. I did the will of God outwardly, but my heart. And then after one service, one beautiful service, he preached all Arkansas and all those places back in the 30s. And um, the little farmhouses, they'd get the key to the farmhouse. I mean, to the schoolhouse. You know, they'd have a schoolhouse where all they'd go, and they'd give him the key. And he'd have little revival meetings. And he says, as a 19, 20-year-old boy in the front row after one of the meetings, God gave him that vision of the nations going into the flames and said, they're going because you're not going and preaching. And he said, in that encounter with God, God gave me a heart for nations, heart for souls. But he said, I started out those early years. I was just preaching so I wouldn't go to hell. Amen? But then we look at someone like Caleb. And how God said about Caleb, he's got a different spirit. Amen. I want to have a different spirit. He follows me wholeheartedly. Wow. So again, um, God says, I, I want you to do the will of God from the heart. So when we talk about doing the will of God, it's not just about outwardly. Amen. I mean, it's good to do it outwardly, but God says, I, I want you to do it sincerely. I want you to do it because you really love me. And you really care about honoring me. Amen. Let's go to one more. Um, John 7. I'll go to John 7. Hallelujah. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. John 7 and 17. And this is in the, this is in the New King James Version. And, and then later on we'll flip to the, to the NIV. But Jesus says, if anyone wills to do his will. If anyone wills, I like that. You got a will to do God's will. Some people, now, some people don't like getting in trouble. But they don't have a hunger for God's will. They just want to keep themselves out of, isn't that right? But he's, if anyone wills to do his will, Jesus goes on, you'll, you'll know me. You'll know my word. You'll know the reality. But it starts, you got to want it. Do you want it? Do you want to please God? Do you want to seek first that kingdom? I mean, some people just like fire insurance. I want to go beyond fire insurance. Have you ever, you, ever, you, you, you got a job, and you, you, were, you were privileged to get it. It was a job you really wanted. And the guy hired you. Or maybe you're joining a team, and you were the freshman on the team. And you really wanted to prove to the boss, to the coach, you were sent to a new unit, and there was a new commander. And you really wanted to prove your worth. You really wanted to show them you, that they made a smart thing by hiring you. You had a desire in your heart to please your commander. You had a desire in your heart. Maybe they went the extra mile and hired you when they didn't have to. And you said, you know what? I'm going to make sure they don't regret it. I'm going to be such a good worker. I'm going to be such a good player that they're going to glad. I'm, I'm, you know, and again, we should have that attitude towards Jesus. He's been so good. He's done so much. We ought to want to live a life that pleases him. We ought to want to live a life that says, Lord, I thank you for how good you've been. I haven't forgotten. You didn't have to pick me for the team. Amen. Lord, you didn't have to let me in on this. You, you could have walked on by. You could have just said, but Jesus, you, you chose me and had mercy on me. And Lord, I want to show you, you did the right thing when you picked me. Amen. That's the motive. If anyone do, wills to do God's will. Now, um, John 7, and now let me just read it to you in, um, 
in the NIV. This again, that will, that will, that will. John 7 and 17, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. That I will to do the will, I choose. I'm going to do God's will. Amen? If it costs me, I'm going to do God's will. If others walk out on me, I'm going to do God's will. That's what the Lord's looking for. Choose to do, reflecting a whole attitude of a person of our lives. A person sincerely set on doing God's will welcomes the word of the Lord into their life and the presence of the Lord into their life. Do you remember when Jesus spoke to Peter at the end of John's gospel, John 21, and he said, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And he said again, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my third time. Peter, do you really love me more than these? Sometimes God asks us that. If you're quiet, especially when times are tough, the Holy Spirit said, you still love me? Are you still willing? Are you willing to do it my way? You won't get your prize till heaven. They're not going to understand. They'll take advantage and see it as weakness, but I'm going to. Peter, and Peter said he was hurt. The Bible says, and Peter was hurt. But Jesus said, follow me. Feed my sheep, follow me. It's a wonderful thing. Do you really want to follow me? Do you really want to be my disciple? Do you really love me? Then do my works and follow me to the very end. Right? He said, feed my sheep. Care about those I care about. Amen? Do you really want to, do you really love me? Care for my lambs. Take care of those I care about. Do my works and follow me to the end. Because if you remember the end of the story, after Peter says, you know I love you. He says, Peter, you know, when you were a young kid, you went where you wanted to go and did what you wanted to do. But when you get old, someone else, they're going to put you on a cross. And then he goes, Peter, follow me. Wow. Follow me. Even when it's not easy, follow. Even when other people are making fun of you, taking advantage of you, follow me. The first thing we're trying to learn about being a doer of the will of God, it starts with a real attitude and a real consecration and a real desire. God's looking for people he can trust. God's looking for people that he can use. So many can't be used of God because their level of consecration is so limited. God, I'll use you if it's convenient. I'll, I'll use you if it doesn't cost me anything. I'll use you if I can still have my five hobbies and, you know, kind of make the rules. But there is a people that God is looking for. I'm that real living sacrifice. That man or woman says, Lord, I'm yours. Here I am, send me. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. And when it's costly, I'll still praise you. And when people give me flack because of it, I'll still obey you. Come on, say amen to that. So, so number one, if, if we really want to do the will of God, it starts out with the attitude. God, give me a heart that's willing and desiring to please you and to honor. But secondly, we have to know the will of God. So some people, uh, again, um, because they don't put the effort into growing in their walk with the Lord, of learning the scripture, they're, they're kind of ignorant. They don't know the will and the ways of God. So let's look at the next verse that we have here. But secondly, I've got to know the will of God. Some people don't know, especially when they're young, they don't know the will of God. And then typically you can tell that when they're sincere and they hear it, they respond to it. Amen? But some that, all, oh, 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 didn't know it meant that. 
and you start then the, the drifting. All right, go ahead if you would. Oh, let's start out Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We should strive, secondly, to know the will of God. Once my desire and once my attitude is wholeheartedly, yes, Lord, then I really need to learn the will of God, don't I? I need to know what matters to God. We can run around for a You know, I don't... Different people I ever read the Love Languages book, and you find out that people are motivated different ways. Really interesting book. Um, and there are certain people that, that, that love, you know, gifts, being given things. Even if it's not expensive, they... Ah, me, I take it or leave it, all right? I'm a, I'm a quality time guy. If you ever have you read the book, I'm a quality time guy. I could do without. Um, but sometimes, you know, people give you things and you didn't order them. You know what I mean? I mean, I appreciate it, but it's not really my, you know, I don't even give you something and you, like, smiled, but you said, like, it's really not my thing. I don't know. They must not have known me too good. Like, the one time, someone bought me a shirt with athletic build. Can you imagine that? I mean, I couldn't fit it on one arm. Athletic build. I thought they ran marathons. I said, this person don't know me. Or they made a big mistake when they ordered it. That's all I'm saying. Amen? Because uh, I, don't, I haven't had an athletic build since I was 14. All right? So uh, let's take that. But, but Hallelujah. Amen? Glory to God. I, I, got, I got somewhere with that. I'm going to get back to my notes here. I got back my, my guy. Hallelujah. We always strive to know the will of God. Amen? And we're going to know what pleases God. You know, because what happens, see, this is what often what happens. That's why I'm getting back to the book. You know, um, it, it's like me not knowing your language. And I'm going to try to tell you how much I appreciate your ministry. And I'm speaking to you in Italian. You probably don't know Italian. So no matter how much I'm trying to say, I appreciate your ministry, your faithfulness, you're going the extra mile for the family of God. And so you're not getting anything out of it because I'm not speaking your language. Amen? I mean, it's all, you give me a little trinket. It's, it's like, uh, there's other things that really show me. And that's how everyone is. Everyone has certain ways. And it's, again, it's like me running over to Don's house because I like Don so much, and I'm bringing him a gallon of vanilla ice cream every week because Don is my buddy, and little but I know, he can't stand vanilla ice cream, amen? I mean, right? I mean, so well, i got the wrong language going here, amen? And we're speaking the wrong, I'm, not, I'm trying to express one thing, but he's not receiving it because I'm not speaking his language. And sometimes people that can be sincere but not educated in the things of God can go about their Christian experience th thinking, trying to please God, but not doing it accurately or correctly. Because we've got to study the Bible and find out what really matters to God. Sometimes it's what matters to, uh, you know, our, our Christian culture. What matters to God? Study our Bibles. Let's find out what matters to God. At the end of the day, I don't want to stand before the Lord and he says, ah, that really wasn't much. Amen? I had one sweet lady, and she went through. I gotta watch myself, because people watch these from. <laughs> I see names sometimes of people I pastored 20 years ago, so I gotta watch myself. But, but one dear lady, she went through what I wanna call a spiritual midlife crisis. Love God, sweet, but she just got a little weird for a season. A little weird. I wanna chase angels and. Gold dust. You just got a little weird. Amen. And my heart was, sister, why don't you go? You got so much energy. You want to go all over the world and, you know, to the conferences that have seen the angels. Why don't you take that energy and go down the hallway, the church, big hallways, and, and go teach some young girls like you did years ago when your ministry was more fruitful and affect five, eight, 
10 little girls that we got in these various mission ed classes. Because you, you, you have, a, you have a, a desire, but it's not, it's not properly, it's not accurate, it's not accurate. You see, you, you can be misled in what you're trying to do for God if you don't know the word of God. See, he's running after foolishness where you can really channel that love for God in a real way. Touch those little girls. That'll go on forever. Sit down and teach them the Bible. Put those five little girls on your prayer list and you pray for them morning and night. And you'll accomplish more doing that for eternity than running some flaky conference and getting some weird doctrine. Because the Bible is going to show us what matters to God. The scripture is going to teach us what God's priorities are. I want to do my best to get my priorities in line with God's. Amen? So I've got to know the will of God. I've got to know the will of God. I can have a desire to do the will of God. But if I don't know the will of God, I can be inaccurate in my pursuit of pleasing God. How about that? Amen? I can be inaccurate. Uh, so I've got to go to the Bible. I've got to see what God says. He's going to show me what he likes. Hallelujah. We've got to ask ourselves, what does the Bible say about that? I've got to study the book. I've got to search the scripture and ask, what does the Bible say about that? That's God's will. We should have a personal responsibility as individual believers. For our personal growth, we study the Bible. God's given you a book. If you're a Christian, you ought to read your Bible. You ought to learn the will of God. You ought to learn the gospels, the commandments, the promises, the principles, so you know God. He's given us a book revealing who he is, showing us his heart, his will, his burden. We need to learn that. We need to learn that what God really cares about and what God not so much cares about. We need to learn that. And then the church, as we said a few lessons ago, the church also has a role in teaching. That's why you see the, the denominations that get away from the Bible. They just get more dead and corrupt and vile. Because it's the Bible that reveals God to us accurately and clearly. Not merely an emotion, not merely some kind of this word, this word, this word. And in fact, you know, um, the Great Commission is Jesus' final marching orders to his church, right? And let's look at it together. Jesus, and he's, he's risen. He's getting ready to go to the right hand of the Father. Jesus came to them and he said, All power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. And he says, Go and make disciples of all nations. Now a disciple is a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. Not just a, not just a decision. Because if you study disciples in the Bible, he says, man, Jesus said, unless you pick up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Unless you deny yourself, you can't. So it's not just merely someone that made a decision, raised their hand one time. A disciple is a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. And that's part of our role in, in the church is to make disciples. Not just make people spiritually comfortable. Not even just to, you know, like use car salesmen to give the spiel so we can see people raise their hand and then, you know, they go back out and they're not changed. But we get happy because we get a statistic. No, 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 no. You go and make disciples of all nations. You baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And look at that. This is Jesus now. Teaching them. The role of the Great Commission. You don't just win souls. You try to, your best to make them mature, dedicated, wholehearted disciples. And one of, one of the chief ways you do that is you teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. You teach them that book. 
You teach them that Bible. You teach them what Jesus has said. You teach them the lessons Jesus gave. Teach them those parables. Teach them that Sermon on the Mount. Go and see what Paul wrote through the revelation of the Spirit in those epistles. Teach them that. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the end of the age. So not only I start out with a heart's desire to do God's will, but then i got to educate myself so I know God's will. I want to find out what really matters to God. Amen? Before I ask myself, what will my friends think? What does the culture support, or even what does the law in the courts uphold? I must ask, what does God say? Remember the early church? We must obey God rather than man. And we find out how to obey but what he said. We go back to Jesus said, teach them what I've commanded. Teach them to obey the whole book. The whole book, amen? Now there's so many scriptures that we could give uh, about knowing the will of God. All right, we study this all the time. Sunday school covers it. Let me give you maybe one or two that is not, you know, you don't see a lot. Go to Jeremiah 8. Jeremiah 8, and, and there are seven. Jeremiah 8 and verse 7. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 8 and verse 7. Isn't God good to us? And this is, you know, we, we, we said that how um, the church has a role the church has a role in teaching. If the church does not fulfill its duty to teach the people, we allow that dark ages to come. We allow that church to wake up one day and they're ordaining homosexuals and they're applauding the abomination because they got away from that book. See, that book won't change. Church tradition changes too often. That book doesn't change, amen? And that's why the devil do anything to keep us from just teaching and preaching the clear, thus saith the Lord. We see the great danger in the present hour of when the preachers and the denominations start messing and watering it down. All right, here, here's a prophet. He says, you know, even, even, even the bird in the sky, the stork, even the stork in the sky know their appointed seasons, right? Certain times each year you see them come in your backyard. They're migrating down. It's getting cold up north, and they're coming down. Amen? Right? Isn't that true? Even the birds know. Even the north, hey, the snowbirds. Amen? Even the snowbirds know. A certain time of year, it's time to get out before that frost hits Wisconsin real good. It's time to get down to beautiful, hot, sweaty Durant. Amen? Even in a stork, verse 7, even the stork in the sky knows her appointed season. The animals know how to flow with the seasons of God. The dove, the swift, the thrush, they observe the time of their migration. But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. Wow. Why is that? Well, we're going to find out one reason why the people don't know. And it's because the preacher failed them and didn't teach them. Let's go a little further. Just look at that next verse. How, how can you say we're wise? For we have the law of the Lord. We've got our Bibles. But he says, when actually the lying pen of the scribes has handled it falsely. Those theologians have twisted it. And they said it doesn't mean what it says. And they try to water it down. And they try to neuter it. And everything else they try to do to that book. That's why you get, it's right here, hundreds of years earlier the, the prophet. The wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped. Since, here it is, since they have rejected the word of the Lord, what kind of wisdom 
do they have? So if we want to know the requirements of the Lord, we go to the Word of God. Amen? If we want to walk and stay in tune with God and stay in step with the Spirit, if we want to have the wisdom of God, embrace that Word. Love that Word. Esteem that Word. Handle it properly. Amen? Study to show thyself approved as someone that rightly divides that word. All right? Look, look and I, I don't have this on the overhead, but quickly, Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8, kind of follow along with this. Isaiah 8, and look at verses 19 and 20. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah says, when men tell you to consult mediums, spiritists, who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? People running here and there for, for wisdom. They need to know. They're afraid of the future. They got to make decisions. They go to the witches. They go to the, all that kind of fortune stuff. Terrible. People of God don't need that garbage. We don't need to dabble in darkness. We got the light of the word. Amen. We got the light of the Holy Spirit to lead us, don't we? Amen. And we ask ourselves, let's ask ourselves this question. She says, he says in verse 10, should not a people inquire of their God? Okay, how, we, how do we inquire of our God? Well, look, look, look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. He says, to the law and to the testimony. You want to inquire of God? Open up the book and let's ask ourselves, what does God say about that? How does God say I should treat my wife? How does God say I should honor his day? What does God say I should be a good steward? with my, my wealth. Again, let's go to God. I want to inquire. First place I inquire God. Don't go running. I mean, the prophetic has its place. Don't go running. They're running here, running there. You don't need to run there if it's clear here. Amen? Well, God, yeah, I know you're running there, but you, want, you don't want to hear what this says. Isn't that true? Now, there's times, there can be times the prophetic helps you. There can be times, but oh, no, no, we're too quick to run there because we're looking for something that tickle our ears. Instead of saying, what does the Bible say about marriage? Amen? And what, what does the Bible say? And just, just, that's how we inquire the Lord. First way, we inquire the Lord. What is Jesus said, it is written. And then for things that are not clearly here, we can seek God and ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. And ask the Holy Spirit, you see what I mean? And we have reliable friends. We have spiritual leaders that we can ask proper counsel. Pray with me about this as we try to get the witness of the Spirit. But my first place, inquire of the Lord right here. Amen? Don't pass gold. Don't collect $200. Right here. Right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. All right. Let's keep pressing. The will of God can be discovered if I'll study and show myself approved. I'm going to find the will of God. The Bible. Amen? Then a yielded heart. The Bible won't do us that good if our hearts isn't yielded. Amen. Remember Romans 12? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer yourselves living sacrifices, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's a reason. Eh? Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or demonstrate what the what? Perfect will of God is. You know, it's going to be very hard to know the will of God if I don't have a yielded and surrendered heart. Isn't that true? Because I've seen people that have made up their mind of what they're going to do. And Jesus could come down in person and show them in the Bible where it clearly says that's wrong, and they'd say, no, no, I think it's right, and God doesn't care. Come on. Find the will of God. I go to my Bible. 
with a yielded heart and I study the Bible. And even the things that are not super clear, then I have the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said in John 14, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. And he'll show you. And he'll teach you. And he'll remind you. And the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the, what the greatest thing the Holy Spirit often does is he takes the written word and it helps me apply it to my present situation. He'll take a, a promise. But you know, there's a lot of promises in there. Amen? And not every promise is going to fit every situation. And if I get carnal, I can just try to force something instead of waiting for the Holy Spirit to give me the, the, give me the word so I know what word to apply to that situation. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, you know this. You know, you know there's more than one way to raise a kid. I mean, right, Lily? There's more than one right way to raise a kid. You know that. If you got more than one kid, you know that. Yeah, they're all different. Isn't that true? Now, you follow the same general principles, but some, they got different personalities, different temperaments. My, my dad, two boys, my dad just had a knack for it, had two sons. Now, he always challenged me. I mean, from the time I'm this small, he just challenged my guts. He just, just worked with me. Now, he looked at my brother, cross-eyed, and, and he started crying. He couldn't, didn't work with him. He had to have another tactic to my, my brother loves God, and he's doing, but dad had to have another way to see he was a different kid. And he raised us, same principles, but how he, went, how he applied the principles was different because the kids were different. And a lot of times we get situations in life, and we have that written word of God, and there's principles, and there's promises. But many times we need the Holy Spirit. You know, there's times you need to speak right up. Isn't that true? Other times you hear the Spirit saying, just trust me, just be quiet, and trust me. And we, we've all been there, haven't we? You know, sometimes we want to speak up. Holy Ghost says, hush up. <laughs> Other times we're tired. Say, Lord, I had enough of this. I just want to walk away. He said, oh, don't you dare walk away. You speak up. All right, Lord. You see, you got to be led to the Spirit. You see. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. All right. I'm going to start winding it down, but I want you to get to this last part now. Um, well, I want to obey the will of God. It starts off with my attitude. i got to have a desire. Do you want to please the Lord? Fall in love with Jesus. Remember, I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Amen. If you sang that once on a Sunday night, you sang it a million times. Amen. Uh, we're still over in your brain as a kid. Over and over again. But you have to have that love for Jesus and a desire and a willingness to do his will. But secondly, then i got to study to know his will. Because quite frankly, there's a lot of confusion out there and a lot of confusion in the church. You see some of these churches that appear to be successful, but they're preaching and teaching things that are not from that book. And people get confused. Because they just think because there's numbers, it must be right. Well, you know, that Vatican's got a lot of numbers too. That don't make it all right. I have the attitude and desire. I study to learn the will of God. But let's go a little deeper now. And then I need to not only just know the will of God, I need to grow and strive to understand the will of God. I'll take you to the next step. You, you know, I'll probably stop here so we can get into this next week. You know, the, the child, you, you get a little, your little granddaughter, little Abby, she, you can tell her, do this, don't do that, she knows. But she don't always know why. She's not old enough. She'll understand. She, she knows grandma's rule, but doesn't know grandma's reason. Not old enough. So a lot of times, as we're going to grow in God, understanding. 
Not just know the will of God. Understand the will of God. Don't just know the will of the Father. Understand the heart of the Father. Amen? See, and if, and here's the key, though. Because there's so many principles in that Bible. But as you know the heart of the Father, it makes it so much easier to apply them. If you would, what, what verse do we have? It should be Ephesians, I think. What's my Ephesians? Yeah, give me my Ephesians verse. And we'll just pause it here. Just, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will. Understand. It's a, it's a sign of maturity. You know, when you look into Hebrews 5, end of 5, going into 6, the author says you should be pressing on to maturity. In fact, the author said to that church, by this time, you ought to be teachers and leaders, and you ought to be, you know, instead, you're still back in Pablum, ABCs. You ought to be. You ought to be pressing on to maturity. And so people can be in the church and, and not and be Christians, real Christians, but not very mature Christians. And again, a child might, might know father's rules, don't understand father's reasons. Amen? I never, you know, my dad, when I was a kid growing up, I was all a boy, so if I saw a dog, I don't care if the dog was stray, I, didn't, I just, oh, I was happy. You know, I want to hug it around the neck. You know, you know, he's a typical little boy, right? My dad see a stray dog come near, he'd yell, I mean, here in five counties, he'd get out of here. You. I used to always think, I was little, man, why is dad so mean? Why, why don't he, you know, why, why, what's wrong with him? Don't he like dogs? You know? And, and I, I, I just knew Dad did, didn't know his heart, though. Didn't know his heart. Until one day, 20, 25 years later, we're staying with Pastor Allen and his wife. I was taking some college courses, and they had a missionary apartment years ago, and we were staying with them. And his, his little boy, Marky, man, no, but you know, I took him for a walk. You know, I was taking him for a walk. And out of nowhere, this big German shepherd come running and all of a sudden, I'm telling my dad come out of me. I'm saying, get out of here, you. This all of a sudden I realized that one chop, what a number he could do on that little boy. You don't know if he's friend or foe. You don't know if what's a dog, right? And that first instinct is not what a fun dog, but protect the child. Protect the child. Didn't understand that when I was a child, amen? Just, 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 I, didn't, I didn't know dad's heart. Just knew dad's growl. And I, I, I interpret it as dad don't like dogs. Instead of interpreting, no, dad just loves his son. And if he perceives any possible threat or danger, he's going to get ugly. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Things are going to get ugly. And so, you know, even as Christians, we need to go beyond and know the heart of God. It'll really help me to be more like God. We're going to stop there. We have to pick up there next week. Very interesting. John the 14th, John the 15th chapter. Jesus says these beautiful words. He says, I'm not going to call you servants or slaves, but I'm going to call you friends. Because a friend knows the heart. A friend is into. He's, in, he's got access to the intimacies. We're going to look at that. We're going to study that. There's some interesting thoughts about that. But God, we want to go from more than just knowing the rules. We want to know the reasons in the heart of this great God. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to continue to teach us your ways. 
so we can know you better and walk with you closer. And Jesus, help us to be like you and have a real heart, attitude, and desire to please the Father, to do your will, even when it's costly, even when it might be challenging. And Lord, help each one of us continue to study your word so we can know your will and your ways. We want to walk in the light of your revelation. And then we pray, Father, help us to grow deeper. Help us to mature. Not just to know the rules, but to know the reason and to know the heart and the burden behind the rules. Help us to mature. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,